Welcome to the Korea Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Chung Min Kim, the Editorial Director of Korea Pro. And I'm John Lee, the Editor of Korea Pro. Join us for a weekly 15-minute conversation as we dive into the most pressing stories shaping South Korea and dissect the most complicated ones for you. From politics to culture, technology to society, we've got you covered. So stay ahead of the curve and never be sidelined again. So get ready for a fresh perspective on South Korea's news. This is the Korea Pro Podcast. Okay, let's start. This week, there were multiple important global events that were of a concern for South Korean citizens and the South Korean government. These include, first, Taiwan election, which was a very big deal. And also, there was a rising tension in the Red Sea. And let's start with the latter one. What's going on there? And why was that such a big news to South Koreans here? Well, the conflict in the Red Sea or in the Middle East region has been going on for a long time now. It's Mm. been going on for more than a decade. But as far as South Korea is concerned, what happened is that as the war between Israel and Hamas heated up, mm. the Houthi insurgents who have the control of the Sana'a, the capital of Yemen, mm. they decided to launch missile attacks on incoming ships, uh, merchant ships, trade ships, even military vessels in the Red Sea region. And what did the U.S. and U.K. do? The U.S. and the U.K. formed a coalition. I believe it also includes Australia, Canada, and Bahrain. Mm. And on January 12th, Korea time, uh, they initiated airstrikes against uh, Houthi rebels' uh, targets in Yemen. And as soon as the military operations took place, later, South Korea was one of those countries that declared its support for the coalition strikes against the Houthi rebels because of the total chaos and disruptions that they have caused by attacking these trade and merchant ships. The most recently, uh, I believe a U.S. tanker and a Greek-flagged cargo ship was attacked uh, by Houthi missiles Mm. and drones. Why is this region so important for countries? Well, of course, the... The vast majority of trade goes on Mm -hmm. uh, through that area, and especially for South Korea, which gets uh, about 60% of its uh, energy reserves from the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Any uh, disruptions in in those vital sea lanes could have catastrophic uh, consequences for South Korea's economy. So it relates to South Korea's practical national interests, right? Oh, yes. But but why was the Cheonghae unit issue um, such a big controversy here? Well, for those listeners who are not familiar with the Cheonghae unit, the Cheonghae unit is part of South Korea's foreign deployment, and Mm. they are located in the Gulf of Aden, which is right adjacent to the Red Sea. Now, the the Cheonghae unit is uh, the South Korean Navy's response to anti-piracy in the region. In fact, in 2011, the Cheonghae unit was uh, part of a mission to Mm. uh, rescue uh, South Korean citizens who had been... uh, who have been taken hostage by Somali pirates. Right, that was big news at the time. It was very big news. And it's possible that if this conflict in the Red Sea uh, escalates, that eventually South Korea might have to participate in this coalition. Apparently, the... Joining the military operation, you mean? Yes. Not just defense or just for deploying. Well, that's up for debates because apparently the U.S. has been calling for more international cooperation and participation. Mm. And the South Korean Ministry of Defense said uh, in December that they are uh, considering all options in order to participate in this uh, event. Now, they haven't said that they will. They just said that they're considering it. Even until yesterday? Yes. 
But the uh, the Ministry of Defense spokesman did say that if South Korea does participate, they will not participate in active direct fire against Houthi targets, mm. but rather will uh, play defensive roles, such as uh, uh, helping to defend coalition ships against uh, Houthi drones. Mm. Well, there was a few South Korean exclusives that talked about how there is actual possibility that South Korea might do a little bit more than that. Is there any feasibility to it? Well, according to some South Korean reports, because the National Assembly's uh, Defense Committee had already approved uh, the Tongan unit, then the, if the South Korean government decides to deploy them, they don't have to seek approval from the National Assembly. And if they don't have to do that, then South Korea can actually participate in this. But Right, then it makes it? it logistically... it. I guess that's a difference from how much South Korea can be involved in other conflicts going around in other parts of the world, right? And of course, there's parliamentary elections coming up. Do mm. voters really want, uh, you know, South Korean sailors to be involved in a conflict in the Middle East? Right, but wouldn't it be different if South Korean government and the U.S. frames it as how this region is actually really important for South Korean economy as well? Oh, it's well? definitely important, but you know, that's not how politics works. <laughs> you know that better than anyone. <laughs> Next topic. Taiwan election. Oh, yeah. Fun times. What happened at the Taiwan election? Well, uh, I did not really look into the numbers myself, but I do know that the ruling party uh, won the presidency, which I believe they said was the unprecedented because uh, it's the first time that the DPP has uh, maintained control of Taiwan's presidency for 12 straight years. Mm, so multiple times in a row, Lai ching he won. Um, and, and there were two other parties. Uh, one was the Kuomintang. Kuomintang, and it, it was pro-mainland. And there was another party. But then interesting thing is there was not only just the leadership election, but also there was parliamentary election going on as well, right? I believe so, yes. And for that, uh, DPP did not win. They just won the presidency, yes. I think maybe one seat difference, but still it could be a little bit difficult for the for DPP to maintain its too much of an anti-China and pro-U.S. policy line considering the, the gap between the leadership and the parliament. Well, if their politics is anything like South Korea's, they're going to have to have a lot of um, wrangling over political issues, I suppose. Right. And the reason why I bring this up in a Korea Pro podcast is because the reaction from South Korean uh, public and the government was very interesting. And it's actually a gist of how um, South, Korea's, uh, South Korea approaches anything related to Taiwan or the Taiwan Strait. It was a summary of it. I read all of the editorial board takes on the Taiwan election. Editorial board takes are actually very important in South Korea because you can see which demographics angles certain international issues. It shows what they're actually thinking. Right. And it was quite fascinating because more than half of them framed it not as how many U.S. outlets put it, like the win of the democratic uh, bloc of the world. It was more like framed as a potential for triggering further competition and conflict and even clash in the Taiwan Strait, which will, they say, uh, very badly influence South Korean security. Well, it makes total sense if you keep remembering this mantra that all politics is local, right? Mm. Whenever President Yoon, Biden, and Prime Minister Kishida get together, they've been mentioning Taiwan more and more lately. Now, the statements might be, you know, banal to some because mm -hmm. they keep saying that they want peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. But that's not how Beijing hears it. Uh, anytime Beijing hears that phrase, they see it as these three countries interfering in their domestic affairs. Mm, intervening. Intervening in their domestic affairs. Stepping on their toes. Exactly. Of 
And among those three countries, the People's Republic of China has always viewed South Korea as the weak link. Mm. But now that South Korea has constantly made these, uh, has joined in with these declarations, uh, they're quite concerned about South Korea's alignment. But now that the DPP has maintained a presidency in Taiwan, the U.S. is most likely going to keep bringing this up. Mm. But interestingly, South Korean president did not issue any congratulatory message, which was expected. He won't. Um, and after seeing how China reacted to the Philippines' congratulations note, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't issue anything like that. Yeah, the PRC doesn't take very kindly to any sort of recognition for Taiwan. Uh, the influence on businesses relating to that, I think we should mention the semiconductor industry. Can you brief us just a little bit on the the concerns surrounding the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company? Sure. And this is going to be a very brief and quick and dumbed down uh, rundown of the situation. But the South Korean companies like Samsung and LG, they have been in direct competition with TSMC. And TSMC is a powerhouse when it comes to semiconductors. Manufacturing. Manufacturing, fabrication plants, the, t- the the TSMC has been a thorn in the side of these South Korean companies. And a lot of the reason why the TSMC was able to succeed, well, despite having their own business acumen and strategy, was because of support from the Taiwanese government. Mm. Uh, but now that the DPP has maintained the presidency and will likely still maintain their distance from Beijing, mm. the TSMC will remain a darling in Washington's eyes. And this is going to rub off the wrong way in uh, Samsung and LG's headquarters because I'm sure that although they never say this publicly, mm. some of them might have been hoping that uh, Taiwan would flip over to the KMT so that eventually they would become the next darlings of semiconductor producers. You said that they might not be saying this out loud, but some of the editorial boards, more conservative ones, said that out loud. Sure, they did, but Samsung and LG did not. Oh, they wouldn't do that, but it shows that it's something that is unspoken, but people all think about when it comes to Taiwan, because for South Korea too, semiconductor industry manufacturing or whatever, it's one of the biggest ambitions that South Korea has right now. Semiconductors is the lifeblood of South Korea's economy. A new one, relatively. Relatively speaking, sure. And President Yoon also announced that um, the country plans to invest, what, $465 billion? by Aiming a record high export this year. Sure. And this $465 billion figure is supposed to build a semiconductor cluster, uh, which is aimed to be completed by 2047. So the South Korean government is not letting go of this aim. No, but it will be very difficult because TSMC works with multiple multi-billion dollar companies like Intel... Um, Apple, a whole lot of stuff that we just use in daily life. Of course. Unlock the full Korea Pro experience by joining our community. Stay informed, stay ahead, and never miss a beat on Korean affairs that matter. Subscribe today and transform the way you understand Korea. Week ahead. Next week, I do not think there are any super important diplomatic schedules that set up that I know of. But we do have to keep an eye out for any potential announcements from the South Korean Ministry of National Defense. Mm. Uh, As I said earlier, the MND has not made any announcements as to what it will actually do. But the ministry did say that it will consider deploying its troops if the situation escalates. Mm. And I don't know if you've been keeping up with the headlines, but things are escalating. Right. So we're going to have to keep an eye out for what possible developments there might be in South Korea's national defense uh, 
And in domestic politics, one of the most important headlines will be related to the a special act uh, about the Itaewon disaster victims and victims' family. Can you just quickly explain what the act is? Well, the act is essentially the victims' families are asking for uh, a special probe into the tragedy. And reparations. And reparations. And unfortunately, what happened was that the members of the ruling party, the People Power Party, they walked out of uh, the hearing. And so this became an essentially a partisan bill. Right. It, it, they walked out and what happened was the, the Speaker of the National Assembly, who is the Conservative Party uh, congressman, he, he negotiated behind the doors with the DP, the Democratic Party, that uh, they will not pursue the special prosecution against uh, leaders in the administration. Just a probe, not a prosecution. Right. But what's a probe uh, that could be up to up for debate, really. Well, even if there is no prosecution, if there is a probe whatsoever, and if and because of the involvement of reparations, hmm. it would necessitate the South Korean government accepting some responsibility. An interior minister. Right, and that's a no-go for them. Um, and the thing you have to look out for next week will be whether or not President Yoon Suk-yeol will execute his veto power yet again. I just saw the People Power Party have decided uh, as a consensus that they will ask the president to wield it. To veto the bill, right. And even though the Democratic Party has a majority in the National Assembly, they do not have enough votes to overcome the presidential veto. So if he does to go, decides to go through with it, then that's the end of it. But of course, we have parliamentary elections coming up in April 10. And does Yoon really want to risk further losing support by uh, vetoing this bill? Right. But then the, the way People Power Party has been framing it when they were walking out is that the Democratic Party politicized the bill to their own benefit. So we'll have to see how the South Korean public actually reacts to this next week. Keep an eye out for it, folks. And finally, another domestic politics news. Lee Jun-suk, the former leader of People Power Party. What's he doing? Uh, my favorite person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, decided to leave the People Power Party and he established his own party. Kehyokshindang. What is it? The New Reform Party. NRP, I guess. NRP. <laughs> And they are, we, we have been hearing about this and talking about this for weeks now, but the official inauguration event of the party will be this Saturday, if you are interested. Boo. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to know more, sign up for our daily executive briefings. We brief you on all you need to know from the past 24 hours and why they matter every morning in your inboxes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for your weekly dose of insight. And until next time, I'm Jungmin Kim. And I'm John Lee. Stay connected, stay informed, and we'll see you next time on the Great Pro Podcast.